Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Revenue Growth AI. I've got Xander here and today we're going to dive into two major topics. The first one is really kind of what we're seeing in AI and marketing and revenue ops. And then the other topic is we're going to dive into seven different use cases slash tools that we're either using at CS2 or experimenting with. And we just want to kind of give you an update on how that's going. So you want to get into it, Xander? Do you want to just yeah, dive right in? I sure. feel the, the space is moving fast. I feel like every day I'm getting a new tweet, a new email newsletter, something that's saying this person's entering the market, that person's or this organization's entering the market. This one is, that one is. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's pretty incredible to see how fast this is really taking off. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. And it kind of reminds me at like the beginning of marketing ops tech, you know, revenue tech of everybody solving point solutions in their own unique ways. So it's something that, you know, I definitely recommend trying to stay on top of it, but not allowing yourself to get overwhelmed with all of the tools that are coming out. Right. Um, I think right away I was I was really excited about like Google plugins. And we were talking about this Google Chrome plugins. And, you know, I even started kind of sharing this with the team and and you looked and you were like, ah, take a look at that privacy policy. I don't know why this Gmail user needs to have all of your email information, for example. And I think that it's so exciting to be able to try something new. But, you know, we all have to still have our, our intelligent security minded hats on of is this the right organization that we should be downloading a tool from and giving quite a lot of information to? Yeah, I think it's a really important point. Hype is super high. And like you said, there's so many new tools out there. And I'm sure within the tools, there's there's good. And then there's some potential bad actors that are offering like a free solution for something. But then if it's free, you're questioning what are they, how are they making money out of me here? So I would just be very careful. And for us at CS2, I think one of the things that we're trying to stay true to is just being a bit patient when we adopt new tools that have AI functionality or enabled by AI. Um, partly because a lot of these like quick to market point solutions um, might be good, but then when is like the the true kind of big um, big players out there going to start really releasing their AI functionality that's going to be backed by a lot more security conscious measures like a company that's got a lot more funding or backing to like really push that roadmap forward really scale that product so we're trying to like stay on top of things and be really into it but at the same time I do do encourage people to be a little bit patient right like you might jump and put a lot of effort into one tool but then a tool you've already got might release the same functionality even better. <clears throat> so I think it's something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, yeah. Something that I'm hearing a lot, especially working with clients who are in the market for a new solution is like their CEOs are basically saying, and the boards are saying like, do not buy any new tools unless if they have a roadmap that has an AI component tied with it. Um, and I think that we talked about this a little bit on on one of the previous podcasts, but I, I you know, that is definitely resonating throughout the market. Um, and I kind of view it a little bit of the, of the same way of be patient here because it, it's going to turn into 
kind of like I kind of think of like voice assistants where it was like everybody started getting voice assistants and it's like well do you need it like like do you need it in that type of solution so really trying to figure out like what what problems am I trying to solve with the technology just doing a blanket coat of ignore any vendor that doesn't offer something with AI I mean if the solution doesn't need it it's may not may not apply right um, but we have some use cases that we're talking through today that I'm really excited to talk about that need AI. And I think that as we start to find the vendors that are specializing in these spaces, I'm excited to see what they do come out with. Definitely. And I've heard something similar to what you just said there about CEOs not wanting to invest in AI from a different angle where VCs aren't, they want to invest in AI, or, sorry, companies that don't have AI. So uh, it's kind of an interesting investment landscape out there where you've got this like kind of drought of, of investment um, over the last several months where VC funding's kind of like really taken a, a, a hit and then being very reluctant to invest given the economic climate. But then the AI side is booming. So there's all of these companies out there that are like, well, we didn't really have AI on the roadmap. Let's just find a way to get it on the roadmap and then we can get some funding. <laughs> um, and then there's, so it's kind of a very... You know, interesting market out there. Um, so you also have to take in mind and really think about is this company just adding like an AI kind of bell and whistle to their product just because they feel like it's a good idea? But is it actually going to be a useful part of the tool? So, um, you know, we're obviously we're doing a podcast on AI. We're very bullish. We're very excited. But at the same time, be cautious, like really think about it. Like don't just kind of get swept away and test, test things out before you go fully, fully on board. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think that we are also seeing maybe the pendulum swung really, really far into use chat GPT or some of these other solutions for anything and everything. And I'm hearing a lot more of certain organizations blocking it because people are throwing in their source code and they're throwing in PII and they're doing a bunch of stuff that's like putting their companies at risk. And so it's, it's kind of getting into that self-regulation mode actually really quickly, um, which I think is, is really critical and really key. That's something that we obviously take into account when we're working with our clients. We're not throwing their data in these, in these solutions. Um, even some of the video examples that I've been seeing from you where you're using like test data or you know something for the examples that you're sharing which i think uh, obviously makes a lot of sense yeah i think just for my video specifically definitely using test data definitely not wanting to share personal information etc i think a lot of the testing that i've been doing has been centered around chat gpt but really the way that i'm thinking about it is testing that this the capability in this kind of type of ai that is going to start being rolled out in all of the tech that we're going to be using, right? Like we've talked about other podcasts like Salesforce, you're seeing Clearbit, you're seeing, you know, a dozen of the B2B marketing and sales tech stack start to release their AI functionality. It all kind of works in the same way. It's like conversational generative AI. So testing it out in ChatGPT when they've got the an API that you can use and an interface that you can use to then go, okay, how is this then going to apply to the tech stack that I already use when they start introducing this type of functionality, I think is a good way of doing it. Um, and you can even use 
ChatGPT code interpreter, I was using that to create your sample data set. So if you have access to ChatGPT Plus, just go in there, type in, I want a data set. I did this earlier, like of a thousand leads with um, an MQL day, an opportunity day, opportunity checkbox, lead source, and different fields like persona and industry. And it just, and then you can it will literally just give you a downloadable CSV of that data. And then you can use that to play around and start to kind of generate different in, like just different reports and different ways of testing that data and testing out the the AI functionality there. So I think that's just kind of a key thing that we would advise is like stay on top of this, but like you, maybe if you are doing a lot of testing, test it with fake data first, and then you're ready when you know Salesforce releases theirs or or your BI tool releases theirs or Marketo and HubSpot's already released part part of this. So um, I think that's a good way to do it. I think that's a good good ways to get involved um and then the last thing maybe before we get into some of the use cases i just saw this really interesting quote from the ceo of um, stability ai um he said that we figured out how to make humans scale and i saw that and i just thought wow that's such a (laughs) that's such a cool way of putting it right um i think there's so many people you always talk about how you can't scale humans obviously because we are (laughs) You know, creatures and you can't clone people um but if you're able to make them kind of infinitely more efficient creative you know uh effective then you are essentially making human scale so i thought that was a pretty pretty cool way of putting it and it's why if we go back to some of the stuff we talked about in the other podcasts you know we don't think ai is going to be stealing people's jobs but the people who are leveraging ai the best way are going to be the most in demand um when it comes to career opportunities so really taking the time to learn the technology and learn how to use it for yourself and come up with creative ways i think again we've talked about this a million times super important super important i know that we're not we're not an education uh podcast but like that is a space that ai is like all over the place right Professors are worried because students are just like throwing in their content and stuff, but I'm excited about those students. I mean, like imagine being in middle school, having access to AI, and you're going to use that now going all the way through your education. Like these people are going to come out of college and just be like superstars at using this type of tool, assuming that, you know, as we as we kind of take the the culture of AI and and the responsibility of AI appropriately, I think that you know there's going to be some really cool stuff. So, I do not want to be in a space uh, like my grandparents were when computers came out, where they're going, "I don't know what this newfangled technology is. I'd rather be on top of it." Which 100%. I think is what's so important that we're doing this right now. Definitely agree. All right, let's get into the use cases. Then we've got seven of them. It's kind of rapid fire, so. We've got other resources on a lot of these, so we'll call that out if there's anything else where you can you dive in and watch some videos on this, but you want to get started? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have been using, at least internally, a tool called Vowel, um, and it's, it, it's essentially a new way to go about uh, doing video chats. It's automatically recording all of our calls like we would be used to with some of the uh with some of the other vendors but what i've really enjoyed about it is it transcribes those calls in real time and you can see that in the platform 
Um, when you're coming in late, which does happen, most of the time you have to stop your conversation, catch that person up. Um, instead, I can silently get into the meeting. I can press one button and it summarizes the call. Um, something that was very interesting is when you're having your conversations before everybody joins, maybe be a little bit mindful because all of a sudden those summaries are capturing everything up front. Um, but it's pretty cool that like you can just get that that brief catch up and take active part in your calls in real time. It's not waiting for it to transcribe and process after the call. Um, and then we're also finding that as we're having conversations and listing out action items and identifying opportunities, the the platform itself is is highlighting those and giving you the ability to add those notes right into the call. Um, so it's been really nice to be able to have uh, have a solution that I think is purpose driven and and built around kind of this AI model as opposed to once again just like tacking it on after the fact um, and being able to do this in real time, get actionable insights, have the ability to collaborate in real time has been really really cool. Yeah, and then you get the summary, the AI driven summary after the call and you can sync that to so we have our internal leadership call on a monday it takes all of the action items and summary from that call based on that transcript and kind of summarization using their ai and then we use a zapier integration to sync that to a notion database so then we have a notion page for that call to, with all of the action items and summary in there so it's really cool and there's other tools doing something similar like obviously Gong's releasing a feature. There's another tool we've experimented, Read AI. There's even Zoom has their Zoom IQ where they're trying to do meeting summarization. I think a lot of companies are kind of driving forward, but Val has kind of the easiest to use interface. It, it does replace Zoom currently. I believe they are working on a way that you can have it like a normal meeting recorder that can join your Zoom as well. But it, it is also its own meeting platform. So you can actually meet on Val. Um, and it has some nice kind of functionality that you mentioned there. So really cool. Check it out. Um, I think they've got a free version. We're just testing it out. You know, we use Gong as well per internally. And so we've, we've, we're kind of testing out all these tools to see how they can all help in different ways. But I think meeting summarization, action item catching, syncing that data to different systems is going to be a big instant value from AI. And I think it's a really great use case that it can handle perfectly right now. Absolutely. I mean, the more present that we are in our meetings, instead of just like like half trying to type things out or, or having somebody else on the back end trying to type things out, um, is so helpful. You know, you're yeah. either you're either eliminating an unnecessary person in the call, um, who might just be recording, or you are giving your full focus into that conversation. Yeah. All right. So second use case. And I think one of the things that I've noticed with this whole AI conversation is that so much of the conversation is around like content creation, copy creation, summarization, like we just talked about, um, all around just kind of like text generation, really, and editing. Um, but actually, the most interesting use cases that I've been testing out is around data visualization and data analysis. So if you haven't tried it, sign up for ChatGPT Plus, where you should get access to Code Interpreter. It's in alpha right now, which is kind of crazy because it's really good already. But um, if so, it's only going to get better. 
but it allows you basically what it does is you can prompt ChatGPT in the normal ChatGPT interface and it will write Python code and essentially do a lot of kind of actions for you like data analysis, actual chart visualization creation. Um, so you can literally say, and, and I you know, uploaded some sample data or some funnel data and you can say, you know, what are the best performing industries? Like what are the, what are my conversion rates by industry? What is the deal size by, um, by persona or by industry and get, create a, you know, a chart, an interactive chart for me to be able to review this as a downloadable HTML, HTML file that you can then view and look at that chart and kind of draw insight out of that. So I think a lot of people don't really realize that you can do that with ChatGPT. Like you can actually create, get it to create you charts and it's happening in seconds, right? You can just upload data. And again, be careful with sharing personal company data, use test data for now, I would, but being able to use test data and play around with this functionality where you can create charts, do data analysis, really helps you draw out that insight. So for companies that don't have a data analyst or maybe really struggles with, with data, I could see this being a massive win once this is this technology is in the tools we already use where you're, where you're, you're safe and you feel okay using it. So I could imagine Salesforce has this one day, Domo, Tableau, other BI tools where you can literally just kind of go into the platform and say, build me a dashboard or a chart showing me all of the different kind of data points and insights that I would need to try and optimize my, you know, demand gen programs. And it will create attribution dashboards, you know, conversion rate dashboards by channels and programs and, and then start and also give you in natural language, the analysis of that and actual kind of text and information for you to help you draw out those insights. I think it's, it's such a powerful use case because people just really struggle with that. They struggle with creating dashboards that are useful and they also struggle with actually interpreting that data and drawing out that insight. So to be able to like talk to your data and just kind of come up with a theory and say, is this true? Or like, what are some insights that I'm missing? And it just kind of like talk back to you based off your data is just an absolute game changer, I think. I think it could completely change data. Right. I'm like, oh man, that like that resonated right there. Yeah. And I think it's one of those use cases I just don't see as many people talking about. But it but if you just get into code interpreter, put in a load of fake data, check out my latest video on it where I use some of my LinkedIn data, where I'm literally just going in there and saying, I uploaded like all my LinkedIn post um data with views and engagement, et cetera. And I was like, what are the best type of posts? And it's like, well, text posts perform, have like this much engagement and image posts perform this. And I, was like, and I said, is there a time frame? Like in the last three months, is, is there a different, better performing type of post? Or I did, a, I, I asked it to do a sentiment analysis. So if my t posts are more positive or more negative, do I get more engagement? And it came up with, there wasn't really a correlation and showed me a chart. I came up with, um, it did a topic analysis where it had the content of my post and, and it, I asked it kind of what are the topics then and keywords that maybe correlate to more engagement. So it took my data, took all of the kind of the keywords and topics and categorized all of the posts and then came up with a, a statistical analysis on which ones perform better. And it's doing this in like, you know, a minute. So yeah, it, it's wild. And I think it's an alpha 
it's only going to get better and then you're going to start seeing this pop up in the tools that you're using every day and i think that just has huge implications for marketers because we spend so much time building reports and dashboards and trying to get insight so what happens when anyone on the team has access to just like their on-demand analyst does it mean that analysts don't have a job i don't think so i think there's always going to be a space for analysts but it probably means that companies that can't afford an analyst might keep on delaying actually hiring one or a company that thought they needed two now only needs one because that analyst can do all of this you know um, data analysis kind of at scale using an AI as their co-pilot. So huge implications, I think, for for where we're going in marketing data and analytics. I think I, I, I do think that this could be really useful for the analysts themselves. Um, you know, anything that anything that we're doing here, I'm still finding it like it's not a replacement. We keep on talking about that, but like think about what an analyst can do knowing what they know, knowing their, their knowledge of data analysis and models and things like that. Like we're not asking it any of the, any of the complex, like, like data science type of questions that you would be able to get with an analyst, um, or with a data scientist specifically. And like, that's just going to supercharge even more, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing your data scientists to spend more time analyzing and less time coding is going to be incredible. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be big. I think it's going to probably be the the use case. It's the use case for me that really kind of opened my eyes to where we're going. Uh, so very compared to the copywriting side, for sure. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Especially in marketing, um, for sure. I have been using it to kind of supercharge just my day to day. Um, so so two things that are are relevant. Uh, kind of recently um excel formulas you know there's so much opportunity and potential that we have with simple tools that we've had for decades like excel um and i use the same like five formulas so just being able to go into chat gpt ask it questions and ask it like what type of formulas should i be using um to solve certain problems um and it can be as something as simple as like I want to manipulate the data a certain a, a certain way, or I want to analyze the data a certain way. Um, I have been finding that to be super useful. It's it's very lazy, but I also really like to use it. Where like I'll have a formula ready to go, and I need it in a different cell, and I will literally just be like replace B one with C one. I know I could do a find and replace, and it would be just fine. But like it's so nice that it just like prints it out for you, you copy it and you throw it back into the next thing. And I've been doing that a lot more than just like going in and again, doing a find and replace out of a, out of a text editor. We're saving you time, right? Saving, saving time. time. I mean, all those little things throughout the day definitely add up. Um, and then right before our call today, I was working with a client and, and trying to solve a very specific, um, problem and, I was thinking, well, I could solve this. Basically, what we were trying to do is replace um, first names that have like accounting or HR mm -hmm. and things like that. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, I could use the Salesforce formula and then we could use that as a token or we could set up segmentation in Marketo. And then I was like, there's got to be a way to, to solve this problem via just like the email script itself. And so I'm not a scripter. I'm that's not like an expertise of mine in any way. 
but I know velocity scripting exists. So I started just engaging with chat GPT, literally wrote out my problem statement, plain text, didn't give it any code to, to start with, said, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's some of the examples that I have in the data set. And it printed out the script for me, didn't work. So kind of went through that troubleshooting back and forth that we've done uh, with other projects and ultimately got to a solution that did work. Um, and, you know, something that would have required me to spend hours doing training on on how to build it um, ended up taking me 25 minutes from start to finish to having a product that like I don't need more tech debt. And I have a scalable token that I can throw into a parent folder and use in all of my emails um, is pretty exciting. So it it it's definitely something I would be posting about on LinkedIn with some specifics because I think that this is something that's really useful for others. Um, but just being able to, in one place, uh, kind of learn for the first time some more advanced logic is, is exciting. Comes back to what we're saying where... You know, you're not going to get replaced with AI, but someone who's using it, you know, might replace you or might be like the most attractive candidate, you know, in the candidate pool. Like that's just such a great example, right? But something that you didn't know how to do, but you leveraged AI to get to that end result in 25 minutes instead of probably a few days of like research, right? right. And you could apply that to infinite amount of things, right? Yes. And I've got a couple, couple where, um, well, actually on, on this list that we'll get into in a minute where, where it, it really does take that kind of beginner to maybe not expert, but you know, solid in minutes instead of days and hours, you know? Yes. So I think it's such a powerful, powerful point that you should really, really should encourage people to start experimenting. All of my, all of my clients that I am engaging with, I'm always like, Look that up on ChatGPT, like not to replace the question from me, but just like, I want you to get better too. And right. I feel like something like this is going to just continue to elevate our community yep. for sure. So the next one, I am really excited about this. So when you think about the trend of basically what you just talked about, right? So the you're trying to figure out velocity scripting, you could Google it, you could look through, you know, 25 articles and take you, I don't know two weeks to really get there you know maybe not two weeks but if like many hours because you're you're doing a lot of searching for information you're not just like getting the information you need in a succinct format to then action and then kind of like keep on finessing um so that is obviously a trend that's happening and that's why you know so the search engines like uh you know google they're introducing bard and um you know bing has this functionality and people are just using chat GPT to get answers to their questions because you don't want to like Google something, have to click through all these probably crappy blog posts with pop-ups and, you know, badly formatted for mobile and try and kind of read through them. You just want to ask a question and then get an answer. Yeah. And that expectation is only going to grow and grow and grow. So then you could, then you think about, okay, what's hap what, what about internal company knowledge? Right now, internal company knowledge is spread between notion databases or like a notion uh, knowledge bases or other knowledge bases you might have like confluence etc your slack channels um google drive or whatever foldering system you have and you know countless other tools that you have and so it's very difficult so we think about it maybe specifically for mops you might have got some kind of knowledge base set up you might have like different 
Google Sheets, different um, PowerPoint presentations, etc. for people like where someone's onboarding or sales has a question, they've got to go like find this information, which just makes everyone so inefficient. Sales is like, how should I create more opportunities the right way? You've got to go sift around your know, 25 documents to try and do that. Or marketing goes, okay, how should I build my UTMs? Or what, what, like, how are Salesforce campaigns structured? Or whatever, kind of whatever it is, you've got to go sift around all these documents to find that information. So now with AI, and I would, if you want to get really into the weeds of this, look up um, like Python libraries like Llama Index. Um, I forget the other one's name. Essentially, I'm a little bit out of my depth here, not a Python developer myself, but you can create vector embeddings of all of your kind of text and knowledge-based data. So it essentially enables you, someone to have that like chat GPT, chat interface, but on your own knowledge. So you're able to come in and go, type in, how should I create opportunities? And it find, it, it will go and find those, those embeddings which relate to that. Feed that into the feed that into ChatGPT. ChatGPT then takes that, comes back with kind of a well structured sentence on on what to do, and you can like keep on asking questions. So I think kind of transformative in how you can help enable your team with knowledge. And imagine maybe syncing that up to a, a Slack channel where you get a million Slacks a day, and your marketing ops support Slack channel, and everyone's just being answered by an AI trained on your own knowledge base as opposed to just like trying to it trying to answer just normal chat GPT, which obviously has a cutoff on 2021 and isn't going to be trained on your own data. So I think just a really, I'm like super obsessed with how this could really help, help teams figure out how to manage their knowledge because there's just so much knowledge out there and there's so much text out there that you could just have such a finely tuned AI specific for your company. I feel like everyone, I think like in like a couple of years time, every company is going to have their own AI in terms yep. of AI. Even asking questions like, what's our parental leave policy or how many weeks is it? Or like, what's our vacation policy? Like instead of having to go find documents, you're just getting that answer straight back. So I think it's gonna be a big, big trend for the next couple of years for sure. That's super powerful. And just thinking about like, you know, I'm sure that Slack's gonna be thinking about how do we, how do we integrate something like this? Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of this like open source model, you know, and, and I don't know if you've been like paying attention much to it, but some folks are saying that open source is what's going to actually accelerate AI more than, more than any of the other companies are. And that's one of the advantages, right? Is, is you're in control of your safety and your pri privacy. Um, so as we start talking about that, it's like you're building the, the infrastructure to be able to support this and yeah, get all of your internal stuff and, and secure it with your security and IT teams and really accelerate that learning. Yep. 100%. Um, one of the other use cases that we've been doing is lead scoring, um, or experimenting with at, at the very least, uh, the lead scoring. And I know. Charlie, you had posted like a, a very in-depth video. So highly encourage that if you are interested in seeing how we can utilize AI for, for lead scoring. But what, what we love about it is you can integrate it utilizing things like Zapier, throw that data right into Salesforce, and you can create lead scoring models that not only give it a score, something that the sales team and the marketing teams can leverage, but more importantly, the reason for the score. Um, and, and it's something that, that I've struggled with, with other vendors of, of, Hey, we do predictive scoring. Here's your score at 75. And you're like, well, why? 
Well, I don't know. It's it, it's built in the model, right? I love the fact that it is that you can configure it to say, here's my five bullet points. This is the reason why. And here's my five bullet points on recommendations on how to engage with this person for the first time. Um, and it's completely based upon your own data. Um, you can utilize that. I think that the example that you did was primarily on demographic scoring. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we could do the same thing utilizing all of your activity data outside of Marketo and, and you know, building it out uh, for behavior as well. Yeah, I've had a lot of people actually ask about the behavior side. So that's going to be part two video coming up. Part two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Super, super important. Um, I'm excited about that. And, and again, lead scoring to me is a mechanism to build trust between sales and marketing. Like that's how I always approach a lead scoring project. That's the reason why I always want both teams at, at the table. So if you can give reasoning behind it in plain English, like that's just going to continue to build that relationship and that trust between teams. Yeah. That was, that was the thing that really, really got me excited about it and even if you don't use it to generate the score and maybe you're using kind of like the traditional way like a lot of smart campaigns in marketo or workflows and hubspot or whatever um you could still use it to help come up with a reason um yeah. or explain this this explain the score because i think it, that's what it does really well it's like taking a lot of kind of information and then writing text right and kind of explaining explaining things so i think that's still still a way you could leverage it um so a couple of the last ones here. So one, again, I've done another video on this. It's around strategy creation for ABM, where I essentially ha gave it my product. I gave it my kind of some some information on on kind of who the product was targeting. And I went through maybe a series of about 10 to 15 prompts, and it helped me decide what accounts to go after, how to segment those accounts, how should I tier those accounts. And it, it was very good at kind of trying to understand propensity to buy um, potential intent from those accounts, the best fit accounts, uh, the, the potential average deal size for those accounts, and then relate that to the different tiers in ABM. And then it aligned marketing strategies to those tiers, different messaging for the tiers and personas, the goals and KPIs I should be using. And I think for this, the most powerful part of this is that if, if you are someone who's never done ABM before, you're now you know, almost just as good as someone who's done ABM for years, right? Yes, you probably know, you probably need to know what to prompt it a little bit. There's that, I get that. And yes, maybe you still need to finesse and refine the output at the end. And that's going to require someone who's got a little bit of experience. But I was very pleasantly surprised with how good the, the plan was um with you know i was purposefully not trying to like give everything away in my prompts i was trying to like pretend like i was someone who didn't really know too much so i think it just kind of it just levels the playing field a bit for people so i think it makes great people like even better but also makes people who are new to something great kind of like what it, what you just talked about in your example where it can really help you just get over that hump of kind of being a beginner and yeah. get you and yeah and yes i know there's a lot of weight and that you should it, learning something is good too like through experience and stuff like that but you know if you can shortcut your way there to getting a plan and then start implementing that plan and learning how that plan is being effective or not i think that's that's equally good i would agree i mean i think that there's the conversation of like what is ai going to do to junior level positions and i think that is a positive way to look at this right 
you get somebody who's coming out of college, maybe they they don't know marketing an- analytics, but they've got like a junior level position here. Like they have so much information at their disposal that they can level up as quick as possible to to get in front of the right people. I like that. Yep. Um, last one. Yeah. La- last last use case is around data cleanup. Um, so one of one of the pieces of this I'm more familiar with, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna push it back to you, Charlie. Um, but something that I've been utilizing it for is uh, with data normalization. Oftentimes, you are trying to find synonyms and lookalikes and things like that. Um, so I love to be able to give a list of hey, here are all of my state values that I need it to be. Uh, give me a table of five alternatives for each of those data values. And so it's going to spell Minnesota. It's going to give it one N. It's going to, you know, give it different alt- alternatives. Um, or maybe I'm looking at, like, industries. And so it will find all of the lookalike industries that I can normalize against. And now I can just copy and paste that and throw it into a Marketo flow or uh, something that we have talked about on a different podcast uh, was utilizing Salesforce flows and metadata. So you can take that output and throw it right into a CSV file um, for some of your normalization programs that you might be running. Um, and then I also know that there's a connection between like Google Sheets. And I think that that's what you have had some experience with. So wondering if you want to share that. Yeah, there's a plugin for Google Sheets called, I think it's just called G- GT, uh, GPT for Sheets or something. Um and it basically creates some functions where you where you, once you've hooked up your you get your OpenAI API key you put it in there so you're using your credits in there um, you essentially can have multiple different formulas that you can use like new formulas one of them is GT GPT classify um, so you, with that you can have say you've got you know two thousand industry values and you want to get that down to 10 and it's kind of every variation and your database is a mess and you need to just like get them all matched properly so then you can update your database and get everyone the right industry value standardized industry value you can just use gpt classify choose the field like the the individual messy value and then highlight what you want to standardize it to and it's like smart enough to go okay well all of these industries should be mapped to this Something that you would probably have to just go through one by one normally. Yes, you can maybe come up with a formula that could try them, but it's going to have to have an exact match most of the time. Whereas this is like the most ultimate fuzzy match you can do for industry and or any kind of data standardization. And you just drag it down, boom, two minutes. You've got 2,000 industry values perfectly aligned to the standardized values. You could apply that to lead source values, industry values, persona values, anything that you're trying to get like a load of um, individual messy values into a smaller list. So really powerful, really good time-saving thing there. Um, cool. Well, I think that's it. We're at time, Xander. I think we've got, we got through them all. Um, and actually, the last one I just said there, we do have a video on that on our YouTube channel. So check out Revenue Growth Architects on YouTube. We've got the whole Revenue Growth AI video series there which pretty much like half of these use cases have an in-depth video on how to do it we post a video there every week um and then this podcast is a bit more sporadic like once every few weeks where we're coming in talking about some of the use cases and some of the things that we're seeing so um appreciate it xander any final thoughts before we close it down 
Yeah, I mean, just take this opportunity to stay on top of what's going on because it's going to continue to change and we're going to be here to help uh, help pull you along, um, but definitely take advantage of the innovations that are coming out. Cool. All right, well, thank you everyone for joining. Um, if you have any feedback, let us know. If you want to like um, or go give us five stars on this podcast, please do. And we're getting a lot of people coming up with different things they want us to dig into for, for AI. So please just let us know and we'll keep on exploring all these things. See you next time.